So we will read the Psalm 48. Uh, 49, 49. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With a harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceives surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches. No one can redeem the life of another or give a God a ransom for when for them the ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. So that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations. So they had named lands after themselves. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their saying they are like sheep and they are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their form will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be over them as I grow rich. When the splendor of their houses increases, for they will make nothing, they will they will take nothing with them when they will die. Their splendor will not descend with them. So while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people prize you when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them, who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like a beast that perish. Amen. Thanks, Robert. Um, it was great to also see Leanna up uh, with an uh, entourage of children as well. Um, but good to see her back uh, singing. Um, hopefully you can grab a Bible so you can read along uh, with Psalm um, 49 as we go through it today. Um, if you don't know me, uh, I am Andres, or Andis, uh, as, the, as the case may be, uh, one of the elders at the church. Uh, but um, uh, Andis uh, has been uh, away on a, on a conference uh, preaching, so, uh, so uh, I got to come off the reserve bench again. Um, now, Psalm 49 uh, is a wisdom psalm, and it's wisdom concerning the futility of worldliness and how we should trust God and not trust wealth. And like numerous psalms, you might see at the top, uh, there's a little foreword which says to the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Now, these sons of Korah is not the Australian Christian band, you may have heard, but rather they were Levites uh, from the family uh, of Kohath. And by David's time, it seemed that they served in the temple in the music team. And so they've, they've composed this uh, wisdom psalm for us. Now, as I said, the psalm contrasts prosperity in this life with those who don't know God. And it all puts it in the light of God's eternal plan. So where does wealth and riches lead to in eternity? Um, but while I was reading the psalm, um, uh, I was reminded, and, and I know I've used this analogy before, but I was reminded of my, um, my uh, grandmother who had to flee uh, 
Latvia in the 40s. And it's a similar thing that's happening now in, in Ukraine, and we have the same Ukrainian refugees here. But I sort of think when the enemy is approaching, when you are losing everything, you're losing house, you are losing home, you are losing money, you are losing clothes, you are losing friends, where, where is your hope in that moment? When all these things that we generally rely on every day are no longer at our fingertips, where is your hope? I, I, I don't know what I would do in such a situation. And thank God uh, I, have, I have never seen such a situation. Uh, you know, we keep our car f- uh, fully fueled all the time. We keep some extra food. But it's a, it's a big question of where is our hope? when we lose all our things. So we come to verse 1 of Psalm 49, which is, Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. So if you've come here in our series uh, Songs for Summer and you're wondering if this psalm is for you, well, it is. It's for everyone. So fear not, there is something here for everyone. There's something for the high who might hope in their power and their influence. There's something for the low who might rely on their family and community and meritocracy. There is something for the rich who may hope in their wealth or in their insurance policies, or their power to buy uh, good doctors and comfort. And there's something for the poor who may be relying on their grit and determination or education. So listen, Grace International, to the psalmist's words of wisdom as he reveals what he has been thinking about, meditating about, and putting it together in Psalm 49. Verse 5. Why should, I, uh, why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? You see, the psalmist straight away tells us he's got the answer. Now, in modern times, he might be uh, doing the conference circuits and, and maybe putting out a book like Seven Steps to Finding Hope in All Situations or Only 15 Minutes a Day to Kill Anxiety. He's got the answer. He does have the hope. And despite evil times and evil people and unspeakable destruction, um, the psalmist has no fear of the wicked or their means. But who are the wicked in this psalm and what are they relying on? Verse 6, those who trust in their wealth and boast in their great riches. Now, when the Beatles started, they used to sing, I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me love. Now, money might not buy several things, but certainly the rich people can feel like money can pay for everything. When I was growing up uh, in Australia, uh, Australia had its own oligarchs. Uh, There was even one, uh, interestingly, of Latvian descent. Um, But but many of them uh, went under in the late 80s when the banks called in big loans. One that survived that uh, was a guy called James Packer. 
and he had a big media empire and he was renowned for his drinking and his partying and throwing money around and getting people to do crazy things by paying them money. Uh, but there was a day when he was hit with a heart attack at the race course. He was unconscious. One of the few ambulances at the time which had a defibrillator arrived. The ambulance guy ripped open his shirt, revived him. And James Packer's waking up and he's like, look, look what you've done to my shirt. Do you know who I am? <laughs> and the ambulance driver said, I don't know who you are, but I'm the guy who just saved your life. <laughs> you see, at that point in time, all his money meant nothing. But he still tried to buy hope with his money. So interestingly, he went halves with the state government to ensure that every ambulance uh, in the state had a defibrillator. He paid for good doctors. He paid for health, health device. But unfortunately, he didn't find his hope in the right place. After the heart attack, he was even quoted as saying, I've been to the other side and let me tell you, son, there's effing nothing there. There's no one waiting for you. There's no one to judge you. You can do what you like. Psalm 49 warns us against this kind of attitude. So at 68, when he actually died from a heart attack, when his money couldn't save him, his words would have been like a millstone around his neck as he actually met his creator. But with all of his money, with all of his wealth, could he actually have paid someone to take the death for him? Could he have actually paid for someone else's soul? Verse 7. No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. In Melbourne, there is a war memorial and it has, a it has an inscription on the grave of an unknown soldier and it says, greater love hath no man. And it's designed by engineers in such a way that there's a hole in the wall and the light will shine through from the sun and right at 11 o'clock on the 11th of the 11th, the beam of life, light will land on love. But what is more interesting is when we look at the whole quote from uh, John's Gospel, John 15, verse 13 to 15. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. The war memorial is making the point that it is a huge sacrifice and great love to give your life for your friends, to sacrificially show that I am giving everything for my friends. But the psalmist reminds us, despite this incredible love and camaraderie that we see in the defence forces, 
no one can truly redeem the life of another. There is nothing that we can pay or give to secure someone's eternal life. But when we see the quote from John's Gospel, we are reminded that our eternal salvation can be paid by an extraordinary friend, one who called us his friends, not his servants, who chose us before time. It can only be paid for one who died on the cross so that his friends may be redeemed. We can't redeem each other, but Jesus, God himself, gave his life so that the sting of death can be defeated once and for all. His payment is enough. Many nowadays don't like to go to funerals. We don't like to be reminded of our mortality. We don't like to ask ourselves, are we good enough? We feel inadequate to console someone with mere human wisdom. And so too the psalmist reminds us that uh, it is a sure thing that everyone will die. Verse 10. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. People despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like beasts that perish. I sometimes wonder what is wise and foolish in death. Uh, There is a tale of two retirement villages in Australia. The Australian version is you give people many vegetables, no no meat, no salt, no flavour. You put the old people onto exercise programs considered wise, whereas the foolish Latvian retirement village in, in, in uh, Melbourne gives the old people carbonadas and cream. It gives them salamis and a shot of balsams uh, just before they go to sleep. But whether you are wise or whether you are stupid, we all die. The psalmist reminds us that both will perish. And after death, what happens after death? I'm reminded as well of an Australian uh, um, Latvian uh, who was like an aunt to me. And she owned a lot of uh, real estate in Riga that she got from her parents um, uh, in the 90s after, after property was being returned. And she would, she would live quite simply uh, so that she didn't have to uh, raise a rent, so that she could renovate the premises and look after many of her relatives and, and, and people that she knew in these premises. But unfortunately, my, my uh, Christian aunt got cancer. And uh, during, during her time of sickness, her brother came and convinced her to write everything over to him. Uh, And after she died, the first thing he did is he flew over, he kicked everybody out, he sold the premises and lived for a few years flying first class with his family around the world and squandering the wealth. You see, you can't tell how your wealth will even be used after you die. 
You can't tell how the next generation will use it, even if you have been wise with it. We all perish. And although the Proverbs talks about the wisdom of leaving an inheritance for the grandkids, in Latvia you often pass farms that are named after people who were long gone. It can seem meaningless for people like my aunt, whose hard work gets squandered away by the next generation. It's a bit depressing as we come to verse 13. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. Now, after verse 13, you may have noticed the little word that often people don't read, which is seller. Uh, Mark may uh, correct my pronunciation. It's a musical interlude or a chance to rest or pause after the verse. So let's give it a go. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. There's no exceptions. Those who trust in the wealth will die in the long run, and it all means nothing. Verse 14. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave far away from their princely mansions. I had an older Latvian uh, friend in Sydney who was a highly successful lawyer, but he was lonely and had a huge hole in his heart. He would take me sometimes with others to expensive restaurants in Sydney and wine and dine people, and he would uh, love the empty praise as people praised him and said how wonderful he was as long as he paid the bill. He looked for fulfilment and the praise of the sheep who followed him. He came to Latvia uh, with the hope of rebuilding a nation, but died on the stairs of the fraternity which he had helped to renovate and lies in a beautiful uh, beautiful grave in the Rainukappi. But despite his wealth, despite his money, he went, uh, went to the grave lonely. Despite Christ being just around the corner, he trusted in himself and led to a senseless death. For we are like sheep who have gone astray. We are like sheep. Now, a Christian farmer um, uh, who had a huge sheep property in Australia said that sheep are probably the most mindless animals. They get trapped. They drown. They follow each other over the cliff. But with a good shepherd, they can thrive. But who is guiding these sheep in Psalm 49? These sheep are being guided by death. The sheep are so lost that they are being guided by the shepherd death. Unlike uh, the psalm that Robert read uh, to us earlier, where the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. But what kind of shepherd do these lost sheep actually need? Verse 15 
but God will redeem me for the, uh, from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Selah, pause. Let's think about that. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. The Lord is my shepherd. We need Jesus, God incarnate, who not only gives his life for us, his friends, but wishes to shepherd us. In John 10, verses 14 to 18, we read, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. We need a good shepherd in our lives because the wealth will not save us. Our intelligence will not save us. Our hard work will not save us. Only Jesus can save us from being shepherded by death. Peter further describes how the righteous and those uh, who trust in the saving arms of Jesus can have the hope of the psalmist in in this life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 19, I'll skip around a little bit, we see, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. 
So Jesus can ransom us. Jesus can shepherd us. But it's still hard. Like sons of Korah, we look at our neighbours and they're causing such pain and misery. And the rich seem to get away with everything. And, And we're fascinated and we're pulled to it. We follow the tweets and the posts of the rich. We follow about the stories of what they wear and where they go on holidays. The psalmist has an answer for our, for our concerns. Verse 16. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increase, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them who, have, who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. So don't be impressed when you see the riches of others. There will always be someone that has something more than you. Whether it's wealth, intelligence, physical prowess. But none of these matter when you die. James Packer's huge wealth meant nothing. My auntie's brother spent all her wealth. My rich lawyer friend could not buy happiness with his wealth. So remember when you feel envious of what you don't have, Remind yourself that living here in Europe, we are actually rich. We have water on call. We have heating. We have clothes. We have shelter. We have transport. We have education. We can travel freely anywhere in the world. And so the psalm uh, answers your concerns. What is the answer? The answer is our hope is to seek God. The Bible encourages us who are rich to be generous, radically generous with our riches and not boasting in them. And so too we are reminded of the rich farmer in Luke 12 who built more barns so he could store more riches for himself. But death came unexpectedly for him. Unlike him, we need to be generous because we follow a saviour who was generous to us, who gave his life to us, who gave everything to us so that we might live. He modelled generosity so that we could follow his example. And so the Bible has characters such as Abraham and David who were exceedingly rich but they did not boast in their riches. They boasted in their God. They did not trust in their wealth, but put their faith in God. In Mark 10, verses 29 to 31, we read, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields 
along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Do you trust in your money? Do you trust in your riches, your education, in your skills or ability? Do you worry about your money a lot? Does it, does it keep you up wake at, uh, awake at night? Are you worried about inflation and the interest rates changing? Are you worried about saving enough for your next holiday? What keeps you up at, at night? Or are you generous for God? Do you sometimes forget that trusting in Jesus' redemption is the thing that brings hope? Nothing on, on this earth is worth more than that. Better still, your life has been ransomed by your friend and saviour's precious blood. So are you generous to the kingdom? Do you give regularly to the work here at, at Grace International so that we can pay our pastor and pay the rent? Uh, or do you have that coffee instead or the takeout? Do you support other ministries? Or is there always a reason why you don't need to even tithe? The psalmist calls us to be generous, not envying people who are rich, but trusting in God's riches. In the musical Fiddler on the Roof, there is a classic line that I love. The main uh, character goes to the rabbi and he says, Rabbi, why am I so poor? And the rabbi says, he says, Tevye, riches are a curse from God. And he looks up to the sky and he says, may God curse me with riches and may I never recover. <laughs> you see, it's easy for us to sympathize with that feeling. It, it, it is difficult not to trust in the riches. It's difficult not to desire them in our society. But here, as I remember, as I was growing up, I'm reminded of another story of my grandmother. She always told me that in life what is important is what you have with you because she did lose everything. She did lose home. She did lose country. She did lose friends. And so it was her fear and respect of God that made her so strong. It was her love of Jesus that made her so other person-centered and allowed her to care so sacrificially for her family. It was her deep understanding that she had been forgiven that allowed her to be generous to her neighbors. It was her understanding of God's salvation and grace that kept her going at church, teaching Sunday school, uh, giving of herself no matter what. And she even planted that love of God deep into my calloused heart. You see, the psalmist re uh, reveals that true wisdom in Psalm 49 is the true hope that can only be found in our Father in heaven. My Christian aunt had this hope despite her property being squandered. And so remember this message to everyone 
the poor and the rich. Don't seek your hope in wealth or a high position. Don't seek it in poverty, in a, in a bohemian lifestyle. Don't seek it with your own intelligence or your own efforts. Seek it in Jesus, our good shepherd and saviour, who has already redeemed your soul from the grave. For those that seek guidance in the good shepherd will find life and true hope, just like the psalmist. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the saving grace and the hope that we can have in Jesus. Help us as the, as the jealousy and the difficulties when we look around and see others who prosper in their riches and how it calls to us. Help us to be shepherded in our lives by Jesus and not by death. Help us to uh, drive uh, and, and work in your kingdom, driven by this hope that we have in our dear saviour, friend, and, uh, and, and Christ, our dear Jesus, in whose precious name we pray. Amen.